This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. You know, to a whole new place. What is this time span that we're looking at that you got engaged from? January, started talking. February, met in person, got engaged. I'm back in... You are fucking crazy. I'm back in Korea. You're fucking... You could have ended up in a body bag. You are fucking nuts. I know, and I watch all those things, so don't do not do what I did. That is Don't cra- do what I did. That is crazy. I'm the exception, just for that moment. Did but, any of your personal friends be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, they were kind of worried. Yeah. But let me tell you this. Okay, so then we got engaged. I went back to Korea. He was like, you should be here. I was like, okay. In five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. We have a very special guest, a very long time friend, Jennifer Chung. Hi. It is my honor to be here. Long time friend, long time <laughs> listener. Totally. I've always like randomly like texting him or putting it on stories like, this is so good. You know what I actually, uh, I never got to hear from you. I never got to hear uh, the full story of how you met John. Okay, so John's my husband. We've been married now eight years. 420 is actually our anniversary. And I'll tell you this, just as to preface this, <laughs> when when she told me how she met this man, I was like, don't you fucking marry this guy. <laughs> All right? It's fucking pyunted. Like, don't, you know. By the way, I met him. I was like, this, is the, this guy's fantastic. <laughs> you know? I was like, what a fantastic man. But just the, 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 the scope of how it started was a little precarious, especially from the outside as a friend. It's like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, no, you know? all my friends were like, okay, do we stop this from happening? <laughs> we do trust your judgment, but we don't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. So long story kind of short, I was living in K-Town at the time. Darkest time of my life, okay? I always say that there's like a dark cloud following me when I lived in LA. But I had this opportunity to go to Korea through a show called like Superstar K. And like preface, I've heard terrible stuff. Yes, about I did K. not want to ever like be like a K-pop star, mm-hmm. but I was so depressed in LA that I was like, okay, I'll take the round trip flight to Korea. Yeah, and like in America, it's only me, my mom, my brother, like biologically related, right, for family. And I was like, you know what? I could go to Korea, see my family, my grandma, my grandpa. I didn't really have a relationship with my dad. I hadn't seen him in ten years at that point. Yeah. But I was like, I'll take the opportunity to go to Korea. But you know, in like those shows, they try to make you really sad and like cry about like not making it forward. So I remember like the moment that I got kicked off, I was like pretty happy. Mm -hmm. And they were like, aren't you sad that you can't do this anymore? I'm like, no, like I got to come to Korea and now I get to see family. They obviously did not use that footage. Uh But it was my way of like getting out of LA. I ended up like seeing my dad and reconciling with him. And there was a lot of things that I didn't know that I had to reconcile. But wait, 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 so because uh, I know, like you said, your mom was actually, I don't know anything about your dad. Yeah, so this is a part of your life. I actually don't yeah, know. Yeah. I just know that your mom is in the Bay Area. Yeah. And she's a dance instructor. So, what your so what your parents split early on, or was he not? A yeah, they, they split when I was like five years old. Oh, so super young. Yeah, super young. And he went to Korea? Yeah. So 
my dad had like a radio DJ job that he was supposed to do in San Francisco. Okay. Um, you know, in the Korean like radio market. Mm -hmm. And when my parents split, he was like, I can't make a living here. Like I have to go back to Korea. Um, so we would, my brother and I would travel to Korea every summer until I was like a freshman in high school. And that's why I hadn't seen him for 10 years. Oh shit. Mm -hmm. But was he at least like somewhat present in your guys' life? Not really. Not really. Like it was always a tumultuous thing when it came to like money and like child support and all these things. So my mom was pretty independent when it came to that. Um, But you know, like when you don't grow up with a kid, I don't know like if you know how to communicate with them because you grow so much and they have this image of you as, as a child. So those are things that like made the tension bigger. And here's the thing, like I know that there are people who have like daddy issues and all these things. But for me, it was really just I never grew up with him. So it wasn't even like, I need someone to fill that spot that's empty. I just didn't know what it was like to grow up with a dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when I went to Korea, I didn't think that I was going to actually see my dad. But my dad lives in a town called Ilsan in yeah. Korea, outside of Seoul. And that's just happened to be where the show was being filmed. And when we got kicked off, it was like two in the morning. And the only person that could pick me up was my dad. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I ended up staying with him. And then I was like, he was like, this is your home too. You know, like you could stay here as long as you want. And I was like, yeah, because my round trip ticket to back to America, I could take it any time within a year. Okay. So I was like, yeah, I'll just like stay in Korea because I I don't know what the heck I'm doing anymore. Oh, shit. Yeah. And so I ended up staying with him and getting to know who he was and also putting the pieces together on the things that my mom had told me about him and figuring out myself, right? Was that weird though? <sighs> I mean, because I only think about it like this, right? It's like, I, like, I don't know how you navigated your childhood with with not having a father there knowing where he is. Because yeah. it's not like he bounced and you didn't know where he was at. Yeah. It's like, I know where this motherfucker is. He's like right <laughs> over there in Korea. And then he comes in, he enters your life and he goes, my house is your house. It's like, what the fuck, guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how I see it anyways in my head because I'm a very spiteful person. I'm sure. like, what the fuck do you mean? <laughs> like, yeah. what is this thing? And it's weird because we probably know this mutual person too, but she was on that show as well. Mm-hmm. And when she got kicked off, this girl doesn't speak any Korean. Sure. Opened up the door, said, leave. And this left her out. It's like, the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. For me, I felt like it was very divine that I just mm-hmm. happened to be in the city where my father was. Yeah. And I had to call him up and yeah. live with him and like learn who he was and establish a relationship with him outside of what my mom would say. Yeah. Or what my grandparents would say. And really get to know him as a person. And, you know, as you get older, you have more grace and understanding of how mm-hmm. your parents are. Yeah. Um, so I was really just figuring him out. And at that time, I was like, you know, figuring out what I was going to do. I ended up almost signing as like an indie artist in Korea with another label Mm -hmm. and like doing radio shows like the um, Korean American ones where they have like, you know, English speaking audiences. Yeah. Teaching English. Mm -hmm. I was just grinding and living in Yusan. And it was during that time when I was still kind of dabbling in YouTube and posting YouTube videos here and there. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I really didn't consider myself a YouTuber. Yeah. It was just, I've had my channel for so long. I still want to share myself singing. Mm-hmm. And um, I posted on Instagram, oh, like I like that I uploaded a new song and I noticed that someone um, liked my photo. But you know, like you have random followers, so you don't think much of it. Yeah. But I looked at it and the profile photo was like a vintage picture of a Korean guy. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I know him because all Koreans kind of know each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I look at his profile and I'm like, oh, he's from Atlanta. 
I don't know. He's kind of handsome. Oh, I could see that he goes to church. Oh, he seems to do music. Yeah. Uh, I don't know him, but like, what's the worst that can happen, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's not going to come to Korea and kill me. Yeah. Well, we, who knows? <laughs> well, who knows? Who you know, knows? maybe they will. But in this situation, I was being very you bold. You never fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually like scrolled all the way down and saw a like picture of him and his mom. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I couldn't help but like this picture. And he, and then he was like, oh, thanks. I really like your thinking of you. Um, thinking about you cover. And then yeah, we, that's a OG one. Yeah, very old. And so we, he, there was no DMs at that point. Okay. So it wasn't even sliding into DMs, it was comments. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was like, oh, this is my email. If you ever want to link up and maybe do music. Cause I saw that he worked at a recording studio. And I've collaborated on music with people I've never met before. Yeah. Um, just abroad. So we ended up messaging each other. And then I told him like, oh, if you ever want to connect, I have cacao, right? Yep. Cacao talk. And um, he's in Atlanta and I'm in Korea. But the thing is, at the time, he was working at a recording studio as a night manager and engineer. And he was working the night shift. So it just happened to work out that he would be awake when I'm awake. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think he'd go into work at like 9 p.m. and come out at like 6, 7 in the morning. Okay. So we would always be communicating. But that first week, we just couldn't stop talking to each other. And at the end of the week, we're like, oh, I think we're supposed to be together. Right? So that was January of 2013. And then we were like, you know, we need to be certain that this is supposed to happen. So maybe I'll come visit you in February. Yeah. So um, I was like, okay, I'm going to go visit, you know, Georgia. But how am I going to make this happen? But I like just put it on Facebook. Is there anyone that could get me like a buddy pass or something or <laughs> cheap flights to Georgia? Yeah. And a family friend was like, I could get you a buddy pass, like um, cheap ticket to San Francisco. And I'm from the Bay Area. So I was like, okay, I could see my mom before and after I meet this guy. Yeah. And John took care of my flight from San Francisco to Georgia. But the thing is, I was like, okay, it it was a very affordable ticket. It was only like $500 Mm -hmm. from Korea to San Francisco round trip. Damn, that's hella cheap. Yeah. um, It was Buddy Pass. So um, I was like, okay, but $500 is still a lot to spend on someone you don't know. Oh, 100%. Right? So I was like, okay, God, if you want this to happen, like make it undeniable. Mm -hmm. And I kid you not, as soon as I purchase a ticket, I get a call from like a pastor in Korea who was like throwing this like fundraiser and stuff. And they were like, we want to hire you to sing. And you just have to sing one song and we're going to pay you $1,000. Oh shit. So it would cover my flight. Yeah. I was like, okay, you want me to go see this guy? Yeah. (laughs) So the flight was taken care of and I end up flying to Georgia. And okay, wait, but backtrack. Even though we didn't have a lot of mutual friends, we had one mutual friend and that's the mutual friend I met during the shooting of Superstar K. Oh. Mm -hmm. So I asked him, what do you think of this guy? Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, he's a great guy. Yeah. Shout out to Andy. Okay. So he was the one that said, he's a good guy. Okay. And I feel like when a guy friend tells you that a guy is solid, it it feels like, yeah. Because, you know, sometimes guys can be really nice to girls. Yeah. But when like guys can be homies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It co-signed for me. So I flew to Georgia. We met that week. I met his family because it just happened to be his nephew's birthday. We got engaged that week. That's crazy. No ring, just a promise, right? Because we were broke. Like we were just like struggling artists. Fly back to Korea. And then I'm like, uh, he's like, oh, you should be here. And I'm like, yeah, but we're not married yet. Like I'm not trying to move for a boyfriend, you know, to a whole new place. What is this time span that we're looking at that you got engaged from? January, started talking. February, met in person, got engaged. 
I'm back in. You are fucking crazy. I'm back in Korea. You're fucking. You could you could have ended up in a body bag. You are fucking. Nuts. I know, and I watch all those things. So don't don't do what I did. That is don't cra- do what I did. That is crazy. I'm the exception just for that moment. moment. Did but, any of your personal friends be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, they were kind of worried. Yeah. But let me tell you this. Okay, so then we got engaged. I went back to Korea. He was like, "You should be here." I was like, "Okay, we, let's just get married." Okay, so I fly back to San Francisco. Um, and we actually get married in San Jose at my mom's church. My mom had just become a Christian. So they were like, you have to get married in the church. Cause we didn't have money for a wedding. Yeah. Church marriage are the cheapest. So we were like, we, I honestly just wanted to do, um, like hey, court, yeah. courthouse marriage, but they were like, no, you have to get married at the church. So all her friends did the flowers for me. I got my wedding dress the week before my friends found their bridesmaid dresses at Zappos, <laughs> like, you know, super quick. And so um, we got married on 420 because that was the only day that the church was available. That's hilarious. So January, February, April, we got married within four months of knowing each other. Right? That's insane. And my my husband's uh, mom is also also a single mom because her, um, his dad passed away when he was younger. So it's like, imagine like our moms just meet each other for the first time the night before. Yeah. Yeah. And so we got married. We actually got into an argument like the night before and I was like crying and my friends were like, is this a good idea? What'd you guys argue about? Um, okay, so I was okay. I have no secrets with him, right? Yeah. And I had like logged onto my Facebook Messenger on his laptop, but he looked at it and he saw that I was talking to um, like above mine and talking yeah. to him about John. Yeah. And he it really offended him that I was talking to him about him. Mm. And the thing is, he doesn't know. He doesn't know my relationship with this upa, right? Yeah. And it was a good lesson learned that like, I don't necessarily need a lot of like close guy friends, but in my defense, like he was like my brother before, like he was, John was anyone in my life. Well, I have a different take on that too. My thing is like, if you enter my life prior to, uh, after this person, you have no say. Yeah. Because I've established this relationship before you were around. Yeah. And at that point, when we, when I just start dating somebody, yeah. they asked me who's more important. They are. Yeah. Because you just entered here. Totally. Like That's how I feel anyways. Totally. And that's how what Mariel and I figured out. With her too, I told her like, any person that you've known before me, guy, girl, it doesn't matter. You've you I you've had that relationship. You've never been together with them. You've there's no explanation needed. Yeah. But I don't because I don't have that. So it's because it's weird because I have a lot of friends who are girls, mm-hmm. and she knows this. Mm-hmm. And if it's like some new girl that came into my life and then she was at the house, that's a little weird. Yeah. You know, and then we're having conversations. It's like mm, I I would feel a little odd too. But sure. if it's somebody who's been established in my life for years. I have nothing to care about because yeah. they've been around for years and they've never hooked up or anything. So what the fuck's the point? <laughs> yeah. I think it was like that added pressure of like, okay, this is the night before the wedding. And he was probably like getting into his head about stuff. Oh, for sure. I mean, you guys are moving <laughs> things really fast. Like I'm very sympathetic towards John. Like I understand, like she's crazy. Like I would, you know, he doesn't know how to deal with, you know, you're getting married. You just met this girl. He's madly in love. This is, who's this fucking guy? He's like, what's going on? You know? No. And so that's why my friends were like, what? You just cried? Uh, do you, should we stop the wedding? And at this point, I am such a, I don't want to inconvenience people. And I'm mm-hmm. like, everyone's already here. So like, let's just get this wedding over with and figure it out after. That's crazy. <laughs> so we ended up, you know, making it work. And like fast forward to eight years now, like we're a lot happier now. Yeah. But we started with like no ring. He surprised me with a, a wedding band and everything like after. And it's been a blessing, but it's a lot of work. For sure. I mean, you guys also have, uh, what's, what's, what was the age gap that you guys are right now? Five years. So I was oh, 23 when I got married. Yeah, okay. So you could do the math on how old I am. But yeah. um, I was 23, he was 28. So it was really at a time too where he didn't have to get married. 28 still young. That's still super young. Yeah, and we were just figuring it out. But there's just something really special about a guy feeling like 
yes, like I want you to be my wife. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Could you imagine if that was the wrong guy though? No, I thank God every day that he ended up not being fucking person. No. And the thing is, we didn't even talk about politics. Thank God, like we stand in the same way yeah. and like have the same beliefs and are passionate about the same things. But, you know, even in the past year, I know so many people who've gotten divorced oh, and we've been sure. to their weddings. And it's, I understand though, because marriage is really hard. A hundred percent. But coming from a divorced family, I knew going into this that like, if I was going to end the marriage, it's not the end of my life. I know that. Yeah. But if I'm going to call it quits, like I need to know I did everything I possibly could. Yeah. And the first couple of years were really hard. And I would have like conversations with John about, we're really different. Yeah. We're very different people, but we're together for a reason. And let's at least like try our best so that we can walk away from it knowing like we're at peace. So within that, okay, this is crazy. Cause like your, your guys' relationship story is so nuts because you do everything that I advise against, <laughs> you know, because typically when I, you hear the story, it never ends up like this. Sure. And I know, and I'm not saying this from just me guessing. I'm saying a majority of people that have come to me with the same thing have always ended up in hot disaster, which is very, very odd. It's super odd just because you don't really get to know somebody until you're really around them. Yeah. We don't even know our friends like that until like seven or eight or nine or 10 years later. So like when we start opening up to somebody who's supposed to be a very important part of our life, such as our husband or wife, there are things that you're going to find out that you might dislike a lot. And we did find a lot of things. Yeah. What was like the biggest uh, discrepancy that you guys had when you, when you first, after you got married, mm -hmm. what is something that you found out about him that you were like, oh shit. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. um, a couple things. Just our interests were very different. Like mm -hmm. I was a theater major. I love Disney. I grew up listening to musicals. Mm -hmm. um, he was a hip hop head. Yeah. Georgia, you know, mm -hmm. Atlanta. And another big thing was how he handled money. Okay. Yeah. And even though we both grew up with like single moms, our situations were very different. Okay. Like for him, he lost his dad, but his dad was very successful, worked really hard. His mom worked really hard to like be able to raise them. Um, for me, like my mom worked really hard, but we were poor our whole life because she was a dance teacher. She's an know? artist. Yeah. Like we grew up with like government aid our mm -hmm. whole life. Um, and like, I was very fearful of debt. And like also scarcity mentality in terms of like, I need to take care of myself. Yeah. Like how can I help other people when I can't even help myself? Mm -hmm. um, but we had to find a way where we could bridge those things. Because there can also be really detrimental generosity, right? Yes. You're just, and also you have to question like, am I being generous because I love being generous? Or am I being generous because I want people to know that I'm generous? Mm -hmm. And I think we had to like find ways on like, how can we be generous with people if we can't be generous with um, necessarily money? How can we be helpful with resources or time yeah, or our yeah, skills? Yeah. So we've been able to establish that, but that took time. Yeah. But I, I always tell people like, I think the best thing about our marriage was that we started with nothing. Mm -hmm. Our marriage, we didn't send anything on the wedding. We've been to some of the most lavish, most beautiful weddings and they did not make it. Yeah. Right. So for us, it's very much been like, okay, we're in this. We're going to be partners. We're going to figure this out. And like to be able to say like, we've been able to slowly grow um, our business and also like what we have, like it's fine because all of that is extra. Mm -hmm. We've been able to do a lot with little. I mean, fighting is such a, it's such a tactic, especially when it comes to relationships. It's like, man, how do I communicate with this person without punching them in the face? Like, <laughs> no, it's real. <laughs> like, it's it's real. like, fuck, man. Especially because you guys said you guys grew up so differently and mm -hmm. you guys think differently. The communication style must have been very difficult. Yeah. Because Mary and I are very different. Yeah. And our communication style is completely fucking different. So it's just a matter of like, it's it's literally just limbo all the time, right? I feel like we're just two clumsy people trying to navigate through a conversation until we find good balance. It's like, okay, 
what the fuck is what are your trigger words what are your trigger things that you do or don't say yeah like i found out recently don't ever say that she is very similar to her mom mm. and that is a death sentence sure yeah and i'm like oh shit yeah you know but then i i use that as an example of like okay if there are things that you don't like that your mom does then try not to be like that yeah but that what she hears is oh you say i'm just like my mom yeah <laughs> and then yeah. it's like Boom, this huge fight, right? So there's like always trigger words that we're finding out and it's just, it gets, it gets exhausting. So when you guys argue, like who would you say is the one that like wants to, let's figure this out right now? Well, that's me. Yeah. Because my family deals with it like that. Yeah. We, we always deal with problems head on. Yeah. So and we, we don't, we don't have lingering feelings. I don't believe in lingering feelings. Yeah. She's the type of person that when we fight, if we fight and things get very tumultuous, right? And mind you, it's been, we haven't had like a major fight and you know, I know a lot of people say this, but mm-hmm. it's been like since like, I think the last time we had a huge one was like February. It's mm-hmm. been quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. been a very fucking long time. Because <laughs> so, she's been going through therapy. So, and I've been going to therapy. Yes. And then we've been figuring stuff out. So I'm like, damn, it's been a hot second since we actually had a huge fight. Yeah. But it would be <laughs> back in the day. And I'm talking about back in the day, which was like six years and only seven years. We, in the seventh year, we haven't fought. But then 2020 like felt like five years. Oh, for sure. Well, this is, we actually started fighting a lot during pandemic. Yeah. Because I have never had to be around her this long. I shit you not, within this year alone, it, when pandemic started in this year, so it's been about a year and a half, I've spent more time with her in a year and a half than I have in six years mm-hmm. with her prior. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know her very well. Right. So when we were stuck together and I have to see her every day, I have to see the way that she talks, how she behaves, how she interacts with things, how she is working with somebody like that. She, she was pissing me off 24-7 and mm-hmm. I was pissing her off 24-7, right? And for me, I didn't know these certain habits. I, she didn't know how I work, right? And I think sometimes for her, she just, we want people to behave the way that we would handle certain things. Yeah. And so we kind of put this unnecessary pressure on each other all the time. And so what we found out is that, okay, there are a lot of issues that we have that we haven't addressed because we didn't see it. Six years together and you don't know. You tell me you fucking married this guy in four months? <laughs> like, <laughs> are you insane? Yeah. No, <laughs> you know? yeah. It was major faith. But okay, actually, it's funny that you were talking about fighting because it was that first weekend I met him in February. I was staying with him and then we had gone into our first argument. Mm-hmm. It had to do with music because we're both musicians. Mm-hmm. And it was foreshadow of how difficult it would be to work together. Yeah. Right? Because we're artists are sensitive and For we have sure. our different points of views. And we got into our first fight about it. But I remember he told me, even before we met in person, like, when I'm upset, I need space. Yep. So after the argument, I gave him space. And like, imagine me, this is my first time meeting this guy. Mm -hmm. And he's like locked in his office, like taking his space because we got into argument. So I'm just sitting there like, this sucks. Like I'm leaving this weekend and Mm -hmm. this is what's happening in the middle of the week. So I decided to write him a letter just saying like, I'm sorry that we fought, but I'm really thankful that I'm experiencing this and actually seeing like, oh, you said you needed space and I can see that this is is what you need. But I'm really grateful that we met and I hope that we have like, a good time for the rest of the week. Yeah. And so I sent him, I gave him that letter. I just like left it out and then I went to sleep. And then that in the middle of the night, he woke me up and asked me to marry him after reading that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's why I was like, but I remember like thinking like, what? I'm so tired. Like he's just woke me up to ask me to marry him. No ring. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like in my head, like how is this guy who's like living in a house with roommates like not, and he doesn't have a ring for me, going to take care of me. Like, yeah. you know, just like the- Of course, like we think know, about that. We yeah. think about security, especially yeah. when you grew up in an unstable household yes. with not stable income. Because your whole thing is like, I want to live differently from my parents. Yeah. You know? And, but I remember hearing a voice, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, but I heard a voice saying like, oh, you think he's going to take care of you. Mm. And I am a woman of faith. 
And I wouldn't consider myself like charismatic or like speaking in tongues and stuff. None of that. But there was just something in me that was saying, oh, you think he's going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. And that was affirmation to me. Like at the end of the day, it's God that's going to cover me. Mm-hmm. And so I said, yes. Mm-hmm. And like it's been working out ever since. That's fucking crazy. I can't imagine that shit. Yeah. Like I, I can't imagine being with somebody in that short of time and being like, hey, God got me. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, don't need it. No, but Let I'm telling you, and- when I say like LA, K-Town was my darkest days. I remember like I'd visit your old place in K-Town and yeah. like I'd be happy to see you. But deep down inside, like I was just like struggling. Like how can I live here and like do music? I was yeah. working so many jobs. I was, oh, I remember. Yeah, I was working as a tutor. I was working as a receptionist. I was yeah. doing all these things just so I could do music. Yeah. Um. And I remember it got to the point where I would like date like stupid dudes. And in my mind, I would, I started like really figuring out who I was. And early on, I know other people would be freaked out by it, but like we'd start dating and maybe like on date three, I'd be like, so what are you doing here? What's, what's the point of this? Yeah. And they'd be like, we're getting to know each other. Like yeah. we're dating. And I'm like, I just need to know if you see a future with me. Yeah. I don't need you to ask me to marry me. Like, mm. but I need to know, like, do you see me as your wife? Cause if not, like, we're not going to do this. Yeah. So I would easily cut off people very quickly. Yeah. And I think that helped me actually in terms of like knowing whether or not someone was in it. Because I know so many people who have been in long-term relationships that like just didn't work out. Yeah, but you're a little too young to talk like that. Yeah, I was so That's young. That's just scary as fuck. I was so young, uh, Young yeah. ladies, don't do that. You, <laughs> don't, will, yeah, you, you will scare, scare the people, fuck out of somebody. But you also might attract the right person. Yeah, but most likely you won't. <laughs> Like that's like some people that when they're like 50 years old or 40 years old. I do. know, like, I know. <laughs> and then now I see like youngins. I'm like, no, like stay single. Enjoy it. Yeah. I joke with John, like you took my best years, my youthful years, <laughs> but we'll be like walking. And the pandemic for us was very healing because it yeah. gave us moments to like take pause and really spend time together as a family. We have two pit bulls. We were just like walking them all the time. And he was just like, man, I don't know what I was expecting from you at 23. <laughs> yeah. Because like, you know, even him, he had like that Korean misogyny still ingrained in him in mm-hmm. the sense of like, oh, you got to be cooking for me like new meals every day. And I'm like, I barely know how to take care of myself and now I have to take care of you. But obviously like when you learn how to like have a home and like cook and you enjoy it, like your marriage just gets better because your life's getting better. Yeah. But there was like a time of like having to learn how to do life together and not have so many expectations. Well, yeah, like the biggest issue that a lot of people have when they get together. And I didn't realize this until I started being with, together with people because I have a very strong, um, I think like one of my best attributes is an idea of family. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a crazy family, right? But we always were a strong family. Yeah. If we suffered, we all suffered together. Yeah. If we were, if, if somebody felt bad, everybody felt bad. If we all felt good, we all built each other up. Even if things were crazy. My mom was a psychopath. My dad was fucking crazy. We had terrible problems, but we always cared about the family unit. So the reason why I bring that up is that a lot of people don't understand. And this is what I truly believe. I know know this is a fucking fact. If you want a fucking healthy household, you got to stop thinking about me. You got to think about the us. That's real. So when you create a meal, you're not doing, you're not doing it saying I'm making dinner for you. I made a meal for us. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah. You're feeding your family. When you clean up the floor, you take out the trash. I didn't take out the trash. I took out the trash for this household. This is how tasks should be done. Right. And it might turn out that, oh, you do it all the time. Well, guess what? Somebody should be able to pick up the slack somewhere else in the house. Mm -hmm. We don't look at stuff like their favors and their tasks. It's like, this is my duty in order to have a healthy household. This is how things should be done. And it was hard for, I think Mariel's therapist kind of mentioned that to her because I couldn't explain to her 
what it was that I expected, right? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is not for her to do the dishes, do the laundry or whatever, but it's like, if there's something that you feel needs to get done the way that you want it to get done, you should handle it. Mm-hmm. Because no matter how I do it, it's going to be disappointing. Yeah. So don't look at it as a task of, oh, when I do the laundry, I have to do yours too. I don't think about it like no, that. No, no. Like for, and I gave her an example. I was like, oh shit, when I pay for the utilities of this house and I pay for vacations, I have to pay for yours too. I was like, have I ever thought of it like that? No. Or do I think, hey, when I go on vacation, I'm going to take my partner with me. Yeah. When I clean this car, I want her to have a nice car. When I uh, fucking, I don't know, uh, build shit that's going to break, obviously because I suck at it. Like I do it because I do it because it needs to be done. Yes. So we don't look at things like Tassin when we think about us as a family unit. And I think a lot of people, before they kind of get into these long-term relationships, they only they consistently think about the me and they haven't transitioned into us part. That's right. The us part is hard for people because they always feel that when they do something, it's a favor. It's like, I'm doing you a favor. When am I going to get my favor back? It's mm-hmm. like, don't think that. Think that I'm doing something for us. Yes. And it doesn't feel like a chore anymore. Yeah. You know? I know finances is such a sensitive topic for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and especially in relationships. And I think like the biggest remedy was really thinking like, you know, especially as creatives or entrepreneurs, your monthly income looks different every month. Yep. So there are going to be months when like you make more money than your partner, Mm -hmm. vice versa. So instead of like feeling like, oh, I owe more, it's more, this is what we made as a unit this Mm -hmm. month. And then keep continuing to think about that. 100%. I mean, the money part is so sensitive, right? For a lot of people. For me, it's not so bad because like, I think like the struggle that Mariel might have is that because she holds on to her independence is actually a trait that I really like about Mm -hmm. her. But the part that sometimes that we might get into trouble with is where she doesn't have an issue that I'd make more money, but it's more like she still wants to be somebody that could stand on her own. Sure. And I'm sure she can. Oh, she can. 100%. If I died tomorrow, she's still fine, you know, uh, financially. And so for me… I don't really think about that. I'm just more like, okay. So what we found out was, and we talked about it on a podcast that we had before. I actually didn't put that one out yet, but I'll put it out. Um, I'm like, please do. Cause I'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of this idea of what money means in our relationship. Right. And so what I mean by that is she thought that I vow that uh, I undervalued her effort because I can repair things in our relationship with money that I have. Right. Mm-hmm. And what, I, so here's an example. It's, it was like, Oh, we couldn't clean this house. So, and I'm like, I can't clean this house this week. And she was like, I can't, I'm, well, Sunday, let's just um, forget the stuff that we have to do. It's going to be stressful, but let's just clean this house all Sunday. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, you and I are busy. You have projects that you want to do. I'm busy with work. How about I just get a cleaner? I'll pay them uh, like 150 bucks, 180 bucks, and they'll clean the whole house for us. And, you know, she stopped and she said, no, I want you to do it. And I want me to do it. And I'm like that. No. That doesn't make any sense. We don't have time. Mm-hmm. I was like, either way, whenever I clean something, you, you think I do a terrible job. So how about we just find this cleaner? And then what we found out later on was that the reason why is because she assumed that the value of my money was worth more than her effort. Mm. And that's how she was value, evaluating mm-hmm. it. I and, think I recall you talking about this in a podcast, yeah. actually. And I said like, well, no, that's not what it is. It's your value of your work is here. My money is here. And I use money to to match up, match you up. You have it twisted the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so for her, it's just a val- it's personal value that gets affected. Sure.
Turn my back on the things I knew Fell in love and know it got me confused I was young, I was filled with fire The smoke was just getting higher Fell hard, I was hurt and bruised It was at this time that I became recluse The cards were dealt and I played Broke the rules so I couldn't stay Chasing the wind, hoping you win But you learned that it burns And it won't stay for no one People go, all the ones that I had known You move too fast and then you're gone I've been away for so long I don't know where I belong I've been away for so long I don't know where I belong And I caught the time Too many years gone by And I can't rewind Do I come to mind The way you do mine The way you do it Lost track of what I felt I moved east from west And I thought I'd find it Though I left the memory stay Even if the details fade Chasing the wind Hoping you'll win But you learn that it burns And it won't stay for no one Where did all the people go? All the ones that I had known You moved too fast and then you're gone I've been away for so long I don't know where I belong I've been away for so long I don't know where I belong I don't know where I belong Where I belong I don't know where I This podcast is brought to you by Raycon. Raycon earbuds are my go-to choice whenever I am listening to a podcast, whenever I'm at the gym, or I'm just taking walks. I don't go anywhere without my Raycons, my friends. They start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but honestly, sound just as good. And the best thing about them is that they have a 32-hour goddamn battery life, so I can listen to them when I want for a really long time, especially when I'm traveling and I'm on a plane. If you've had wireless earbuds and their batteries die super fast, it's super annoying when you're traveling on a plane because you have to recharge it. And then while you're recharging for like 20 or 30 minutes to an hour, you have no music, no movies or nothing. So create 
your own soundtrack with Raycon. Right now, my Genius Brain listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash brain. That's buyraycon.com slash brain to save 15% on Raycons. That's buyraycon.com slash brain. It's like, doesn't my effort matter? I was like, yeah, your effort fucking matters, but I clean like shit. (laughs) And I think it kind of like translates into like the love languages thing. You know, acts of service versus like gifts or like all those things and like finding communication ways of like Mm -hmm. what people accept because people may accept love differently than they give too. Yeah. Hundred percent, and she she assumes that she was at the time, anyways, that she was a words of affirmation person, and that's like her tertiary one. She's mm-hmm. actually an acts of service person. Yeah, John is also acts of service. Yeah, and so like I was like, oh, I could do that. You can day. ask John about this when he comes in town, but mm-hmm. we hired we had to hire cleaners too. Yeah, because I don't clean the way that he wants me to clean. Exactly. So, but he likes it a certain way, but he doesn't always have time, and I don't always have time. Mm-hmm. So it's been a game changer for us 100%. to have cleaners come. Like we clean here and there, but when it needs a deep ass clean. Totally. Because we have two dogs. Like it's, mm-hmm. it gets wild. Yeah. And then when they, when they come in, this place looks brand fucking new. Yes. I was like, there's no way that I'm going to do this. I cannot do this. And they're, they're professionals. Yeah. Like, I'm, this I'm, like, is their I'm like, hey, how'd you do that? Like, <laughs> she was like, I just do it. I'm like, yeah, but how'd you do it though? Like, how'd you clean this? This makes no sense. And as soon as they leave, you know, it's just the smell. Yeah. The crisp smell. It smells so fucking good. It's that, you know, the idea of compromise is hard for people too. Mm-hmm. And like the compromise part that people kind of fuck up on too that I realize is the idea that when you compromise, you are giving something up. Right. And, and you're going, and both you have to lower yourself to meet this thing. It's like, no, you're actually taking something away to level up. It's mm-hmm. the other way around. It goes this way. It's like, oh, I don't need this as much. You don't need this as much. Now we're here. But people look at it the other way around where they feel like they're losing something and they have to compromise and, and, you know, go lower than what they originally expected, which is the exact opposite. That's real. Like the transition from me to we is like a huge partnership agreement that you have to have. And we always say like, you know, when people ask like, oh, how have you been able to make your marriage survive this long? It's really just choosing each other every day. Yeah. Like that practice. Because it's easy to just be like one day like, I'm just going to choose me and do what I want to do. Yeah. And yeah, it might not like ruin the whole marriage or relationship forever that one day, but that adds up. Yeah. And like to be able to say like, oh, I'm looking to this person. I'm going to choose them. Even like when they're having a bad day, you know? That's the hard part. It's like when you, when you choose to be around somebody that you care about, when you see them at their worst, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult. Like just this past weekend, we were biking and Mariel was fucking bitching for fucking four hours straight biking. <laughs> this fucking, I hate this. I hate that. <laughs> and then I, we went to go eat and she was like, I'm really glad I biked today. And I'm like, let me tell you something. This was the worst experience of my life. How dare you? She's just cracking up. She goes, yeah, I was really annoying. I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. You're really annoying, dude. Yeah, but that's a blessing to uh, be able to have someone who will hear you out. And she was like, well, she was like, well, why'd you do it? I was like, you know why? Because I fucking know you. I know that you had a heavy ass breakfast. And if you didn't bike this thing off, you would have been like, I feel so fat. I feel like this. I was like, I'm going to hear that all day. That's why I forced you to bike. And now you feel fucking great. It's like, right? And she goes, yeah. It's like, you know me so well. I was like, yeah, I had to suffer for four hours. But yeah, now you feel great. Now, excuse me, I'm going to go take a fucking nap. <laughs> no, but I love that you're normalizing and like being open about like having therapists individually because that's also been really helpful for us too. Oh, she, yeah. She, she, we talked about on the podcast where, yeah. you know, we had a very huge fight. And for her, my ultimatum for her was like, I need you to try therapy. Yes. Because I can't, I can't talk to you. And what a healthy suggestion too. Yeah. It was like, you have to do this. I was like, it was an ultimatum. It was like, if you don't try something outside of like your normal circle, circle group and me, yeah. because obviously what we say 
it affects you differently because you feel like you're being judged. Well, talk to somebody who's impartial, mm-hmm. right? And I don't, and I think when people think about therapy, sometimes they view it as like somebody comes in and they tell you how to live your life. And that's mm-hmm. not what it is. It's really just somebody that's going to listen and give you suggestions. Mm-hmm. And then you, you're, you're smart enough to figure it out on your own. Yeah. And so she found a therapist that she really, really likes that she cares about and it helps her assess things and it helps her, helped her communicate with me. Mm-hmm. And so the the fact that she did that really helped save our relationship because if that didn't happen we wouldn't be together right now yeah because i was i already had i already had like talk about foot out the door i was already out the door like at that point in our relationship if she left me i would have been fine because it's so easy to look at issues and be like oh that person Mm -hmm. that other person is really ruining it Mm -hmm. when therapists actually make us think wait where are we yeah why are we triggered why are we reacting to this she found out it was a her issue yeah i've told her this but when it comes to me, it sounds like an attack. No, no, yeah. There are certain things like where your partner's not supposed to tell you. <laughs> you have to hear it from I somebody like, else. I remember I was like, I literally said, I was like, this is not a me issue. It's a you issue. I was like, you need to figure what makes you happy. Yeah. I was like, where, what, what is the thing that drives your happiness? I can't make you happy. Yeah. Your happiness is your responsibility. I'm here. I'm your bonus in your life. I was like, at the end of the day, if I disappear, are you sad all the time, all day? I was like, how can you, how can you base your happiness on what makes me happy? Yeah. Figure out what, what makes you tick. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously that came as it's like, so it's just my fault. I'm like, fuck, okay, I need a therapist to come in here. Something, you know? Yeah. And then when she had her therapist come in, she came looped back and she goes, you know what my therapist told me? They told me that it's a me thing and I need to figure out what makes me happy. I was like, you son of a bitch. Like I fucking, I fucking said the exact same thing. I don't fucking It just choke. doesn't hit the same. You fucking women are fucking nuts. I'll choke all of you out right now. I was like, I'm literally going to kill somebody. You know, she's laugh- I can laugh at it now. But I remember when I heard that, I was like, son of a bitch. Like, I swear to God, I'm going to kill somebody. But you know, it, it, it takes that therapist to come in and help them out. Yeah, because you know? you're so like ingrained in this like love bubble mm-hmm. and all you can see is like what you see. And yeah. sometimes someone needs to pull you out and be like, this is what's happening. Like, yeah. do you recognize it? That that That's the part too, is just like, uh, I think what a therapist does that helps you out, it allows you to say the things that you know you feel without feeling the judgment so it allows you to be more open. That's so real. Like, Especially because they don't have like personal ties with you. Exactly. My therapist like, all right, I'll see you next month. Doesn't know what's happening throughout the month until I see them again. Exactly. Yeah. So there's like this weird moment where I remember when I first went to therapy years ago, it was like, oh, I know this about myself, but I don't think I've ever said it out loud to sure. somebody. And then saying it out loud made me feel really good. Yeah. It's like, oh, this happened because of this. Mm. And I've never told anybody else. I only told myself, never told my brother, my mom, my dad, or anything else. Yeah. And just having somebody hear it made me feel relieved. I was like, oh, shit. So why, I wonder why I can tell this person. It's like, oh, because they're not judging me. Yeah, that's right? so real. I could say some of the most embarrassing things that I feel embarrassed about. And this person can hear it out and they won't have no judgment. Like there's no facial reaction. There's no like, oh my God, this guy's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> mean, know? I was talking about it with my friend too. There's something special about going to a therapist and knowing like, Listen, I'm not trying to tell you this to make you cry. Yeah. I'm just telling you this because I need to get it off my chest. Yeah. And it's really nice to talk to someone who won't cry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I know some people who have made their therapist cry, but for me, it just feels good to know it's not like I'm. you're going to feel bad for me. Yeah. We're going to talk through this. So yeah. for me, when I started seeing my therapist was actually in the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Everything was fine, to be honest. But I told myself, I think this is the time to go see a therapist so I can yeah. establish a relationship with them. So I made a game plan with her. I was like, listen, there's a lot of things you need to catch up on. So mm-hmm. I'm going to see you six weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we'll make a game plan on how often I see you. Mm-hmm. So now I've transitioned to like once a month. And it it's something that I t- 
talk about all the time because it's not normalized yet, even in our like Korean culture mm-hmm. or Asian culture in general. And um, I love the fact that I'm able to establish something where I know I have a safe place to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very important. I mean, for you too, like uh, I've been seeing you uh, on your stories, like you're talking a lot about like health and fitness too. Was that something that was spurred on by pandemic? No. So that's why it's funny because the pandemic happened around like, well, you know, we were all like on lockdown starting March forward. Yeah. But um, I have, so I'm an actor and I booked my first TV episode at the, um, the end of December of 2019. Yeah. And actually I was at the heaviest that I had ever been on my weight. Okay. I was the heaviest, but I was happy. And for the longest time, I was a theater major. I didn't pursue acting, but there was certain things like narratives in my brain that said like, you're not going to be able to make it as an actor because you look a certain way. Like you're not like the tiny Asian girl. Um, I've always had curves, but then like being in Atlanta and Georgia, like I I did go through depression a lot actually because I didn't have any community. I barely knew the guy that I married. Of course. (laughs) And so um, I had gained a lot of weight and I didn't know how to really decipher what health was for me, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the narrative is you're skinny, you look good, period. Um, But for me, like I knew there had to be more. Um, So I I hired a health coach in the beginning of 2020 because I was like, sorry, I'm like backtracking. But with the acting thing, because I had gotten the affirmation, it's not about my weight. It's not about how I look. If anything, that inspired me to be the healthiest that I could be. Mm -hmm. Because that didn't stop them from booking me. I still got the job. Yeah, And um, it was like a big network. It was HBO, you know? And like to be able to say like, I got an HBO show being like how I looked just as I was, I felt really accepted. Mm-hmm. So now I was like, okay, how can I live a better, longer life? Yeah. So I hired a health coach in the beginning of January, 2020. And it was like a three month thing. And I learned how to count macros for the first time. And at that point I had regularly been working out, but now I was really just trying to work out to grow strength. I never grew up thinking like muscles are important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like instead of like losing weight, like losing fat being important. A lot of times people ask like, oh, what weight do you want to be? Yeah. At this point, I say like, I don't know. Whatever is like like healthy for me where my body fat percentage is lower. Mm-hmm. Right? Because um, 130 pounds could look different for other people. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, depending on what their height is and where they carry their weight naturally. Also like women have to deal with hormones, all these things. But I wanted to learn what are macros? How do you count calories? All these things. And I learned that. So um, in 2020, I uh, hired the therapist too. And I was able to lose like 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. And people might be like, oh, you could lose 20 pounds in two months. No, like I really tried to do this the healthy way. And it was like a long process for me. Um, but I learned how to like strength train, join gyms that I love, found things that I loved. Would you? What are you willing to do? 
Well, I just wanna be free and be who I'm meant to be. But then the voices keep telling me, if only you were, 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 if only you were. Now that I'm grown, I have learned that there isn't one way. There is no turning away from your fate. You are safe. I'll take my time. It's a gift. Make sure there's nothing I miss. This is the one life I live. I know that I can be free and be who I'm meant to be. But then the voices keep telling me. To say, and yet so little to show. No, I don't mean accolades. I mean the depths of your soul. I'm doing what I do best. I mean that I'm doing me. That's what I mean when I say I just wanna be free. Hold up, my friends. This podcast is brought to you by IP Vanish. For those of you who don't know, IP Vanish is a VPN or a virtual private network that helps you safely browse the internet. Simply put, if you are on a computer doing just about anything and you don't have a VPN by IP Vanish, you are insane and you need to be locked up in a cuckoo house because people and web snoopers are all up in your business and you don't even know. I don't need to know what you're doing, but other people do. So what are you doing not getting IP Vanish? Circumvent any online censorship and get protection when using public Wi-Fi. So basically, nobody can snoop on your data or see what you're doing online. So go to ipvanish.com slash brainclaim your 65% savings. Their annual plan is just $44.99 for the first year with our exclusive discount. This is the time to sign up. With our discount and their current promotion, you can get a VPN for 65% off the usual offering. IP Vanish is the best of the best, even rated 4.7 out of 5 on Trustpilot, and that's with more than 6,000 reviews, my friends. Remember, it's ipvanish.com slash brain to get the deal and start protecting yourself online. And it was a game changer for me. And I think that confidence also helped me continue to get more auditions 
and book more jobs. I've gotten some co-star roles and booked some commercials. And it went hand in hand with me just feeling good with my body. Yeah. Right? Because I still don't think I look like the typical like Asian star that I see right now, like yeah. in mainstream media. But the fact that I still get the auditions, I still get the callbacks, like I know that there's a chance for me. And it also makes me happy to be someone who can represent a different body type that like isn't always a narrative. Yeah. Um, but I injured my back a couple months ago from deadlifting. Okay. I did it wrong. And so I had to work with a physical therapist and I couldn't work out the same. And I realized that like my physical health had become my um, stress reliever too. Yeah. And so I had to battle with my mental health actually when I couldn't work out the same. Mm -hmm. But I'm healed now. Shout out to James at Arc Studio because he's a PT and I never worked with a physical therapist before. Yeah. And like just taking my time on how to heal my body. Yeah. So um, I still work with him and I've been working out again. Um, and just finding balance, right? Like, yeah. I think it's so easy for uh, women and especially like me growing up Korean, I only have that personal experience of like people just being like, oh, like, oh, you gained weight, you lost weight. Oh, they love that shit. Yeah. That's like the only way they know how to communicate. Yeah. And like, they don't care about my health for real, for real. You know, like, and I remember I had to like talk back a few times being like, are you going to pay for my gym membership? Are you going to pay for my groceries? Yeah. And they'd be like… <laughs> how could you talk to me that way? Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, because you're not going to take responsibility for your words. Yeah. And in a way, like I had to stand up for myself because the moment I stand up for myself, I'm actually standing up for other girls. Yeah. Because maybe that person won't talk to someone else again. Yeah. You know? Well, it's just, you know, Korean people don't know boundaries very well, right? No. And there's like a, there's like a, a hierarchy in age. Like older people feel that they can say whatever they want to a younger generation because that's just how it is in Korea, right? Yeah. They're, the level of communication is very odd, right? Specifically, our our parents' generation, they tend to communicate by pointing out something that either they don't like or they feel like you should change, mm -hmm. right? There's no tact. It's just is what it is. Mm -hmm. I literally saw my dad once. It was this dude that I knew in Sacramento. He hadn't seen well, their family friends, and they hadn't seen his. He hasn't seen their daughter in a very long time, and she got a little chunky, mm -hmm. right? And the first thing he said off the bat, he goes, right? And then she looks at him, runs into a room, slams the door. And I look at my dad. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, why did you say that? Right? He was like, why? She got fat. And I'm like, doesn't fucking matter. I was like, you don't just say that shit. Mm -hmm. I was like, what are you, he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, do you like the fact that I'm yelling at you right now? I was like, I still think I'm right. Doesn't mean you should say it. Mm -hmm. he, just, he didn't understand. He go, what the problem is? It's like, if she doesn't want to be fat, then why is she fat? I was like, cool. I was like, you don't want to go bald, but would you like if somebody kept on calling you a fucking temody? Like, how do you like it? You know? And he's just like, it's different, you know? But he doesn't understand it. That's no, that's just how these like older Korean generation people communicate. Yeah. Like my, my so Mariel and I had, uh, Mariel tends to have this problem too, where she does it a lot. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't know that she does it. And yeah, that's it's what, just ingrained in us. That's why we got into a fight because I told her, if you don't like it when your mother does it to you, don't do it to me. Mm -hmm. I was like, don't make comments about my appearance, weight, or anything else. Because yeah. if we have kids, I would be damn sure that I will never allow you to talk to them like yeah, that. Yeah, because they're going to hear that growing up. Yeah. And oh. it's it's the very reason why it's so easy for us to have those tendencies because we've been told that growing yeah, up. Yeah, and it's not her fault. Yeah. Like, she gets it all the fucking totally. time. And so it transfers over. So I just, you know, it's my trigger. That's yeah. my trigger. And so, because I hate it. I don't like it when people talk about somebody's appearance in that kind of sense. Unless it goes somewhere. I was like, say something with a purpose. Yes. Is If it's, hey, you gain weight, is something going on in your life? Are you stressed out? 
like you, I know you're concerned about your health. Where does this conversation go? Don't walk in the room and be like, gain weight, walk out. What the fuck? <laughs> like, where, 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 where's this conversation going? Are you doing this to help me? Are you doing this to make fun of me? What's the purpose of this? Yeah. Right. And so I was like, Korean people have a habit of that. Yeah. They like to make comments about your appearance, but what is the fucking point? Mm-hmm. Why? Are you going to pay for my gym membership? Are you going to pay for my hospital? What are you going to do here? Yes. But the fact that you just came in here to make this comment, fuck up my day up is where we're going to have an issue. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of Korean kids, they deal with this 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 crazy image issue where they feel they have to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. They have to be a certain way, talk a certain way. Because if it's not, it's not socially acceptable. You become a social pariah. Yeah. If you are a fat person, if you don't have clear skin 24 fucking seven, it's just this weird, weird Korean culture thing. I don't understand what the fuck it's about. Yeah. And like, when it comes to like perfection and all those things, I think about how I've learned so much about health, especially like going through like my own health scare. So like a few years ago, I found that I had like a pituitary gland tumor, which is like right here, right? Oh, and shit. luckily it was benign. Um, How'd you find that out? My optometrist. Because like you could do an eye test and if there's a certain place that you can't see, they actually encourage you to go see a neurologist. And you know, yeah. Oh, wow. So I had to go to Emory and everything and get like MRI scans and stuff. But um, I actually do have to get it checked again. But there's things where it messes with your hormones, right? And also a lot of women deal with PCOS. Like I've had very irregular periods since I was young. Mm -hmm. So it was never normal for me to have regular periods. And like those things make a difference when it comes to weight, right? But Koreans aren't going to talk about that. They're not going to ask you, hey, like how's your health doing actually? They're just more concerned about what your size is. And or if they can't nitpick that, they'll find something wrong with your face, right? Yeah. And also, like Asian women have the highest chance of osteoporosis, yeah. And they don't encourage, you know, their women to like lift weights and like yeah. do strength training because they think it's just going to make them bulkier. So there's so many things that we have to like disrupt of things that we've grown up with. Mm-hmm. And my biggest fear with like K-pop being so popularized is really just because like we know that they work really hard and a lot of them have to be manufactured in a way where they look like perfect. Yeah. And it's a standard that we have to live up to. Mm-hmm. And I love like people being able to have the choice of getting work done if they want to. It's yeah. their right. They could do whatever they want with their body. But at the same time, there's still like this expectation of like, do it if you can. Yeah. Do it if you want to. But also people don't have don't all have the money to like get work done. Yeah. In Korea, it's like a, a prize. If you graduate high school, you'll get like, um, which is like double eyelid surgery, you know, it's like different things where we're, we're well, it's weird. like I, like I always, you know, that, that topic of like, um, cosmetic surgery has always been a little weird for me. Right. Because there was a, there was a weird paradigm shift in terms of, in terms of, uh, of word usage when it comes to the idea of plastic surgery being acceptable or not. Right. Yeah. And there's this idea of like your body, you do whatever the fuck you want with it, right? Which, yeah, I 100% agree with that too. But then there's another side of me uh, where I think like, when is enough? Right. Right? Right. Where is that limit? I have I have very rarely seen somebody do a certain co- like cosmetic surgery on their face or whatever where it's like drastic. And then they still feel amazing about the way they look mm-hmm. two years, three years, four years, five years, six years mm-hmm. from now. It's typically what I've seen. And I'm saying this from somebody who lives in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Um, it might be different elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But in this city, it's like they get one thing done, they do another thing, then another thing, then another thing. And they get older and they forget that when you age, your face changes. Yeah. There's no, there's just no idea of giving themselves grace. Like you age with grace. When you age, things happen, things change. This thing is not forever. Right. You're putting an investment in something that's that literally 
is not going to stay around. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a hard thing for a lot of people to accept. Yeah. And they're kind of banking on this idea that, oh, if I just change this one thing, I'm going to be happy for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And look, like I said, your face, do whatever the fuck you want yeah. with it. But I think there should be a time for you to reflect on like, okay, if I do get this done, is it going to change how I feel about myself yeah. the whole time? And I have not seen it yet. So in, in, in terms of this city, yes. because there's a lot of pressure here to yeah. look a certain way. Like this, the standard of beauty is becoming so singular now. Mm-hmm. Everybody looks the same. Yeah. On TikTok, they go… Because there's a popular look. Yeah. And it's, and it's just easier because of the internet. Mm-hmm. Like these girls have to look a certain way. They need bigger lips. They need uh, bigger eyes. They need mm-hmm. their hair done a certain way. Oh my gosh. The BBL videos on TikTok are rampant. It's fucking crazy. And it's really dangerous actually. So yeah. definitely, you know… Well, it's just like how come people can't look different? Like Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of being human. Like you get to look different and somebody will find you attractive. There's people who find you beautiful. Things that are beautiful here aren't beautiful somewhere else. But now all that's starting to become singular. It's like you have to look this way. It's the Kim Kardashian look. It's the Kardashian thing. And it's like, well, who's who sets the standard for beauty? Like who the fuck says that person's beautiful and the other person's not? You know, like I understand… Now, there's a general standard for beauty when it comes to symmetry and whatever, whatnot. Sure. But at the same time, it's like, why do you want to look like everybody else? Yeah. Like, why is this the most important thing in your life? I think the representation thing, like there is something about like constantly seeing an image and feeling like, oh, I guess that's how I have to look if I want to be accepted Mm -hmm. um, or given a chance. Yeah. is, Is there something that when you were younger that you wanted to like cosmetically change about yourself? It was really always about weight. Oh, really? Always about weight. Yeah. Because like, you know, I have double eyelids. Like yeah. my family has it. And like, um, it's, that would be like the main thing that a lot of my friends have gotten. So they would think like, oh, she does, she has Sangapur, but she she's fat. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which so, I didn't understand the, the Sangapur thing. Like what's, what's so, what's so attractive about it? I, it has to be like the big eyes, westernized thing. Oh, is that what it is? I feel like it has to be. Like, I didn't, like I didn't, to have like bigger I just, eyes. I, I still don't get it till this day. Yeah. It's like. That person has two eyelids. And who the fuck cares? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, all right. I don't think a guy ever looked at a girl's face and was like, damn, those I mean, fucking I think double about eyelids. Like, a lot of the Korean surgeries that are popularized are like Western beauty standards. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Even like wanting to be like lighter skinned and like having like a nose bridge that's very high. Mm. Um, big lips thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's something really beautiful about being able to see like different faces. But we're like just starting to see like different types of Asians on television. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, it's 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 a weird space because like every time I go to a Korean barbecue restaurant and I see a girl group, I'm like, you know, you know who did work or who didn't. Yeah, and they all did work, and I'm just looking at them. I'm like, which one are you? Are you the group that was before or after? Yeah. And I didn't know that they're all three different girl groups because they all look exactly the yeah. fucking same. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. And then people idolize that stuff. They go, I want to look like that. Like, who's her surgeon? It's like because then at, after a certain point, Jesus, it becomes a, a status of wealth. Mm. Like I have the ability to look this way. I heard people get like their graduation gift is like yes. for surgery. Yeah. Exactly. That's so weird. Like what fucking parents are these? Like why? Yeah. Because I think they also think like the world will be um, kinder to them if they look a certain way. Probably in the society that they live in. Mm-hmm. They, they really care about it a lot. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, man. I, I can't even imagine what it's like to live like that. Yeah. Like to be constantly on edge because you're always worried about what somebody else thinks about the way you look and behave is too yeah. hard, man. And you know, like the singing competition shows… Like, I don't know about Superstar K because I didn't go on for that long. Mm-hmm. But I know of friends who have gone on other shows and it would be in their written contract that if they get to a certain point, 
that they have the right to make them get work done. That's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And people and, sign it. They're like, okay. Yes, because they're so excited for that opportunity. Oh, this is the gateway. This is how I'm going to find success. When That's in reality, crazy. like you never know what will happen to your career. You yeah. could be the most talented person and like have a hit. Longevity is the hardest thing to of have course. that continuation. Of course. But we were talking about this earlier today too. It's like, Nobody thinks about the, the long game. They, they think, do not. Yeah, they 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 constantly think about, okay, how can I pop off now? And they disappear three or four years yeah. later. And they hold on to this idea of what they were before. Yeah. People think too much about their, their has-beens. Like, okay, I used to be this. I used to be that. It's like, well, well who the fuck are you now? Yeah. You know I mean? But can I say something? I really want y'all to know that the reason why I love David so much is because from day one, he's always treated me the same to this day. And I've always felt like, you know, there was a moment when I had, um, I don't know, more viewers or whatever on YouTube and stuff. And for me, I was very young trying to navigate what that meant for me. Yeah. And I could tell like people's way of treating me changed. And I'm oh, really it glad. in the city way too yeah, often. But I'm grateful that I went through that at a younger age because now that like I have some, you know, wins that are for me, like other people might not think it's a big win, but for me it is. And for like people like you to treat me the same, like I know who's for me and who isn't for me. Well, those type of people too, they are also the ones that don't last in this space. Yeah. I've, I know those people and yeah. they've lasted a very short time because how you treat everybody, how you treat one person is how you treat everybody. And that's how it is. Mm-hmm. And you see them now and all these people, they're all fucking has-beens. Yes. And now they're, now they're feeling the repercussions of not being in that position anymore. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, people aren't hitting me up. Well, you never connected. You never made real in friends. In a deeper level. Yeah. Like it has to be pangawa, which is like very nice to yeah. see someone, but it's not nice to see someone who maybe treated you like crap because you just weren't who they thought they wanted oh, yeah. you to they be. Oh yeah, they stopped picking up your phone calls mm-hmm. as much. Suddenly you're not having lunch anymore. Yes. You have nothing to talk about yes. or connect to. It's like, well, I thought this was a real friendship. It was like, no, you wanted to get something from me and that because you received it, it was good. But the mm-hmm. moment I couldn't help elevate your career, we were pretty much done here, Yeah. right? And that's the annoying thing. It's mm-hmm. like, well, you're a piece of shit and you will forever be a piece of shit and yeah. you're going to be lonely for the rest of your life. I don't say that in a spiteful way. I say this as a fucking fact. Yeah. I see it so many fucking times. Yeah. And I've, I've told the story before where I had somebody who did that shit to me and it only happened once. He met up with me after and he was like, hey, bro, it's really good seeing you. Seeing you. I missed you. I was like, bro, I never thought about you once. Get the fuck away from me. Yeah. It's like, I'm glad that I'm here in the same space and you happen to be in, at this party too, but you're only here because your girlfriend was here, mm. not because of your talent. So get the fuck away from me. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. really something to be said about continuing to do work, even if no one is applauding you. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, like it's either something you're supposed to do, you were called to do. And there are going to be times, like if you're working on something, there are going to be times where it feels like it's not going as well as you want it to. But if you keep pushing through and you're still doing it, like, at least you can say you're doing it for yourself. Yeah, I think doing it for yourself is always going to be the the best way to sustain doing an art because mm-hmm. like you, it's for you. It's for your gratification. Yeah. You do it for yourself first. So when criticism comes to it, you liked it. And that's what matters at the totally, end of the day. Totally. Because it would suck if you sold your soul out and then still everybody hated it. Yeah. Then what the fuck was the point? Yeah. You know what I mean? You did something to please everybody else and they hated your work after. So you're left with absolutely fucking nothing. It happens way too often in this industry. I see it no, so I much. No, I applaud you for sticking it out and like being here still because <laughs> I was like, I gotta go. I gotta go to Georgia and be around nice Southern people. 
like I'm I'm here. I mean, but I've kept the same friends. Yeah. Like I don't I don't go to a lot of parties. I don't really like smooth like that. If like I fuck with them, I fuck with them. Yeah. A lot of times I don't get invited out to things because they know if I don't like them, it's no. I mean, it's apparent. real. Like even when I lived in LA, like there are very few people who I actually felt comfortable being with. Yeah. Whether because like I didn't want to have to play the game. Yeah. Like can I just like live and like be myself? Mm-hmm. But you guys hear it too. Like the people that I really, really dislike that I always talk shit about on this podcast. <laughs> you don't hear them saying anything back because they know I know everything about them. Mm. It's like, I know. It's like, you could talk shit back if you want. If you want to get fucking eaten up, let's That's go. Real. That's you real. know what I mean? And you know, there's a couple of fucking YouTubers I always make fun of on this podcast because they are those type of people. Yeah, they, They're fucking habitual uh, uh, ladder steppers. They step on people to get where they're at and they still haven't gone anywhere. You know, it's like so funny because I think about when I was younger there'd be people who I felt like were actually like mean and like Mm -hmm. cruel to me. And I would see them thriving and I'd be like, life is not fair. I don't want to do this anymore. But fast forward to now, like me being an adult, I'm just like, oh, they're still, everyone's at the same place. They're still at the same fucking place. And not any happier. And if anything, with less friends. Yeah, less friends. And they still complain and bitch about life all Mm -hmm. the fucking time. (laughs) Like I've had to cut so many fucking people out and it felt so good. And they don't understand why. They're like, well, I thought, no, I was like, no, you were around me because you thought you could take from me, Mm -hmm. right? And I just got tired of you taking and then me receiving nothing. So now you be on your own and you find the next sucker that you're going to befriend and they'll find that about you and then you'll lose them again too. (sighs) And I see it and I keep, because people gossip all the time. Yes. And I get these calls like, hey, you were right. It's like, I told you that three years ago, bro. What do you want me to do? I warned you. It is what it is. Move the fuck on, man. Yeah. And I see it so often. And it makes me sad. It makes me sad because like, you kind of pity people like that because they're trying so hard. I can give you a great example. So like um, a couple of dudes that, listen, I don't have anything personally against them like yeah. that, but I hate everything about them, mm-hmm. who they are, how they treat people, how they behave. Work gets around. Yeah. How you treat one person is how you treat everybody else. Mm-hmm. And trust me, that one person, when they speak ill of you, turns out to be 10, 13, 15, or 14 because all those people will start to piece these stories together. Yeah. Right? Because they wouldn't dare do that to me. I'd fucking beat their fucking ass. Mm-hmm. I'd literally beat the shit out of them. But, you know, with these people, like it got to a point where he asked um, one of my friends, he's like, hey, can you tell me why David hates me so much? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> he was texting me. He goes, bro, this guy is like sad. Saying like, hey, can you ask ask him why he hates me so much? I was like, just tell him this. Just tell him I don't fuck with you. Mm. And the way that you carry yourself, word gets around. And I was like, you, and tell him that he he should already know why I don't fuck with him. And that a majority of people that's around him, they don't fuck with him either. I'm just more vocal about it. Yeah. So I'm just not the one that you ever want to come near because I will fucking wreck you. Right. And I, and then he knows, he knows it. He was like, Oh shit. He knows all the stuff about me. Who doesn't? Everybody talks. I literally don't know how some people sleep at night. Yeah. Like, why do you think people won't talk? Yeah. And it's, it's consistent with like 30 people. So it's like, come on, you've literally fucked people over. You treat people like fucking shit. What did you think was going to happen? No, I think I, they're, kind of delusional in the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm getting away with it. I'm getting away with it. And then mm-hmm. eventually it adds up and they're like, oh, yeah. no, no one's left around standing with me. I talk about like these fucking, like, because recently because of a lot of the Asian hate stuff yeah. and people are being very vocal about it. I talk about a lot of these self-serving Asian actors where they're only doing it because they're trying to gain the clout and they sure. want to be a part of this stuff. But guess what? A lot of this shit's been happening for fucking years. Years. But now you're getting this clout. And, and you know what? I don't even mind. Keep doing it because it's good. Like it, whatever you're doing yeah. is still good. But 
I told the story in the last podcast where I know a very specific actor, very popular Asian actor. He was slated to do this uh, Asian American thing against Asian hate, but he wasn't slated as one of the first build top build actors to do it. So he refused to share it on mm. social media. I was like, that's funny. You were for the past year, you were talking about how Asian people don't have enough representation, how people don't do things from the goodness of their heart. Motherfucker word gets around. You didn't promote that thing because you weren't one of the first people up on that video. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're trash. Mm-hmm. And I've been saying it about this guy since the first day I met him. I was like, something's off about this fool. And he's very self-serving. Mm. People are like, yo, he's a great person. He does stuff for us. I was like, no, he doesn't. I can tell. You could smell it off somebody. Yeah. And they're doing it for the wrong reasons. I think when you do it long enough, you can tell. Yeah, when you've seen it so often. Yeah. It's like, I've seen this person, this type of person so fucking yes. often. You could smell it. And now word's getting around. Around yeah. small little Hollywood. And they're like, yeah, he's kind of an asshole. What I tell you guys like two years ago? You know? It's just sad. I just hate it so much. And it's like, because in this space too, I don't have an, I, I don't have a want to be famous. It keeps me very clear. Yeah. Like I get that. When I do something, what people consider big, like I did a Netflix show, they're like, we should go celebrate. I'm like, why? It's cool. <laughs> well, I did the show. I'm going to work on another project later on. Fuck it. Move on. Right. There's nothing. It's not that I'm not giving myself a pat on the back. Sure. I don't like putting myself in a position where I have to glorify myself sure. because this was fun for me. Yeah. You don't have to congratulate me. Yeah. I appreciate the congratulations. It feels good that my friends care enough to do that, mm-hmm. but I don't need a spotlight on me because who cares? Like what you do is great. What I do is great too. Yeah. Why, can't, why can't we celebrate your wins? Because what it was on Netflix, I could celebrate your fucking win. How come we don't celebrate the shit that you do? Just because it's not on fucking TV? Mm-hmm. Who the fuck cares? Yeah. Right? That's that's the weird part. It's like every time I do a project and they go, oh, this is a big deal. I was like, well, you just had a kid. That's yeah. a pretty big fucking yeah. deal. Why don't we celebrate that too? If we want to celebrate this, then we have to go and celebrate your shit too. Because I'm not going to just do this for me. We got to do stuff for you too then. Yeah. You know, because this is what people put value in. No, it, that's so real. And I think your heart is in the right place. Because when we think about how like media is, it's mm-hmm. because the spotlight's there, right? It's yeah. so like in everyone's face. Whereas like the work our friends who may not be in the entertainment industry are in, like we don't know what they're doing day to day. We yeah. don't know their wins. We don't get to celebrate it the same. And that's also where like social media can become very toxic. Yeah. Because it's always like the highlight reel and you see everyone doing all these big things. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be able to like step away and be like, yeah, it is something to celebrate, but it doesn't have to be any more special than someone else getting yeah. a promotion at another job. So like when somebody, you know, when like, like even when gook happened, right? Like, oh, let's go Andre. I was like, cool. But what did you do? And it's like, oh, I did. Well, let's go celebrate that all together. Mm. And then we would just have a party and we would just kind of like you know, basically suck each other's dick off. You know, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, you did that. Yeah, you did that. Yeah, you did that. You know, and it feels good. Yeah. It needs to be reciprocated though. I don't, I don't, I don't really like that because that success is temporary. Yeah, and I think it would be actually really exhausting to be with a group of friends that only celebrate you when you have like wins that are like popular. Exactly. Because then you're just having to feel like, oh, what's my next thing? What's my next thing? Yeah, because so like- I really, because, you know, we, we could even go on the topic of like relevancy, right? Like, mm-hmm. One of the weirdest insults that young people do, it's like, oh, you're not even relevant anymore, right? It's like, who cares? Yeah. Like, who the fuck cares? It's like, is that what you think that I did this for? You you thought that I did this because I wanted to be in my my name to be in everybody's fucking mouth? Right. It's like, you and I have a very different life goal. Mm -hmm. Like, I care about my personal legacy and how I feel about it. When I say legacy too, I'm not talking about what other people say about me. It's about how I feel about myself before I die. And so that's my main goal in life. Yeah. So don't put your shit on me. Not at all. It's like, yeah, when I was younger, I was doing so many YouTube videos, smoozing and doing all this other shit. 
And then I stopped doing YouTube for like a couple of years because I wanted to disappear. Yeah, I get that. I mean, same. <laughs> I, there were like years when I just wasn't online anymore. Yeah, and it felt good. Yeah. You know, it's like this felt good. And I came back when I felt like I wanted to come back and yeah. I did the podcast instead. You come back with like a clearer mind. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It feels good. Mm-hmm. And I think like I'm trying to like teeter this um, this area of uh, garnering a viewership that I want, right? Yeah. So they, well, you could do this and get more views, but I'm like, I don't want those fans though. I don't want the fan base that comes from this person. Yeah. So no, I don't want to do a podcast with them. Yeah. I was like, oh, but it'll make your podcast bigger. I don't care about it being bigger. I like garnering the audience that I have mm-hmm. and curating a great supportive group. Yeah. That's it. If I can get more viewership from somebody I don't like, I don't want their followers. They mm-hmm. don't know me. They don't know us. They don't know these viewers on this podcast also, either. they don't know them the way that you know them. Exactly. Yeah. It's like you cannot come on this podcast. I'm sorry. I don't give a fuck about your personal life. I've had a lot of people ask you, like, I want you. Can you get this guy on? And then some people are like, hey, can you have this guy on? And I'm like, you are the most boring human being I've ever <laughs> met. Why the fuck would I want to hear your story? Like your story is useless. Like – your story is your story. It's it's valuable, but not to me. Right. Right. And like, this is your space. Yeah, exactly. It's my space. And you created your space by like really thinking about like, what do I want? Exactly. And what it's do just you weird. want? You know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't want to hear about how you did a dance on TikTok and it blew up. Yeah. Like, I know the story. It's done. Mm-hmm. What else? And a lot of times too, it's like, like I've, I've scratched a lot of podcasts that people won't see because I've interviewed people where they were the worst storytellers on earth. Because they have not lived life. Mm-hmm. They don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And they want me, they want to do a podcast. I was like, why do you want to do a podcast when you have no life experience, no opinions, and no thoughts? Yeah. What are we gonna talk about? Mm-hmm. It was literally me talking and this person just going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm like, this is you. This is about you. Where are your stories? Like, what do you have to tell me? Yeah, what have I'm you like, experienced? What did you where did you grow up? It's like, oh, I grew up in uh, Michigan. And <laughs> you know, it's like, bro, what the fuck am I what are you doing here? And that's when I cut it out. I was like, no more. I'm only bringing friends. Yeah. I'm like, I'm only bringing friends onto this podcast. No, I think it's really important for people to have lived life and like really gone through some hard shit. Yeah, it's important. It's character building. Like I do these IG lives now where I give like my thoughts, uh, uh, like some life advice. I wouldn't have been able to do that 10 years ago. Yeah. Because I, I, I didn't live. Yeah. What can I tell you? It's like, hey, dude, I'm going through my family problems. It's like, cool. I actually hate my parents too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, sure. All right. Yeah. Like, I, I have nothing to tell you. Yeah. You know? So I just started doing like life and creative coaching mm-hmm. and I founded it as Today Worthy because I think about like when I first started posting on YouTube, I was 17 years old. YouTube, Super young. Yeah. YouTube wasn't what it was. Like <laughs> I always joke, like I got on too early. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't make any money off of YouTube. I know mm-hmm. like people make a good living off of it, but for me, it was really just, I wanted to sing. And like from there, like a lot of ridicule, like dealing with all these things of popularity and like how you look, et cetera. But like fast forward to now, like with Today Worthy, I wanted people to know like you're worthy today. Like whether or not someone says like you're valuable, whether or not your video goes viral or whether or not you get that promotion, like you're here. So you matter. So a lot of the clients that I work with, I'm able to talk to them about things because I've experienced those hardships too. You know, a, a lot of women that I work with, like struggle with their body image yeah, and like where it comes from. And I get to say, like, I understand. Mm-hmm. And like, I wish I had someone who could talk to me about that because I always felt like I was the ostracized one. I was the fat girl of the group or whatever. Yeah. Um, and to be able to relate on like the things that they've struggled with with their parents, you know, like our parents say things, they love us, but that doesn't mean the things they say are always the best things. Yeah. And also like as creatives, because I work with also the creatives of my clients and like, um, 
I have to let them know, like, listen, even if you launch this, even if nobody buys it the first day, are you going to still think it's a success? Yeah. And I have to ask them because whenever I list, like release a song or do a project, even if nobody listens to it, I'm good. Yeah. And that took time because there was a time when I would like easily upload a video to get 10,000 views in a day. And then one day it just became like 200 views a day. Yeah. And that crushed me. Of course. You know, it crushed me. But now I can like upload things without being like, dude, it is what it is. Like I, I'm still alive today, which is pretty cool. Because oh, at like, one point I didn't think I would be. That's like Dave Chappelle level shit. Like you just put it out and you just see what happens. Who yeah. fucking cares? Yeah. If you're doing it for yourself, that's all that really matters. Now, obviously, if you need to make a living, you have to go make a living. Yes. But if you're doing it for fun and you're truly saying you're doing it for fun, then mm-hmm. have fun with it. No, and I and I really want to emphasize like the fact that you have such an entrepreneurial spirit is so refreshing because when I was younger, I always felt like if I'm not doing music full time, then I'm not a real musician. Yeah. Just because of the way that people would talk to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're not like a full time YouTuber making money that way. Like, um, you're no, you're nobody. Like, yeah. you're not actually doing it. Yeah. But that was just in my circumstance. I had to hustle. I had to work all these jobs and like still like do what I love. And that translated well as a grown up now. Like I juggle a lot of things, but I'm happy. I'm doing yeah. all these things and having to, but I provide for myself. I'm not asking anyone for money. Mm-hmm. I'm working. And like, so is my husband and we're figuring out how to live a creative life. Yeah. And like that to me is success. Like we get to go to bed knowing like we're doing what we love, even if it might not be in the scale that someone else is expecting, but we know where we started. Well, yeah. I mean, like fuck what everybody else thinks. It's like, what do you expect out of your life? Yeah. You know, I've seen people who have literally a quarter of the amount that I have and they're way, they, they were way happier than I was like when a few years ago before I had my paradigm shift of losing weight and then kind of like figuring out what made me happy. Yeah. They had something figured out that I didn't have. Yeah. I'm not saying rich people aren't happy, yeah. right? But they're happy in what they do. There are some people who are hyper materialistic and I don't even mean that in a bad way. Buying dope shit makes them happy. Yeah. Cool. That's your lane doesn't mean it has to be mine. Yeah. This this constant just comparison game thing fucks people up so much because you're so busy looking into somebody else's pockets. You, you can't appreciate the shit that you have. So real. It's so hard to live that way. You know, the grass is greener where you water it. Yeah. My mom, she's worked so hard her whole life. She's I've never heard her say once, I hate my life. Mm. I've never heard that. And I honestly think that's probably where I got my shit from too. Because no matter how poor we were, how much they were fighting, how I wasn't the greatest kid, she never said, fuck my life. I hate my life. Mm-hmm. She's never, ever said those words. Mm-hmm. And so now I get it. It's like, and I even asked her now, I was like, what would you have done differently? She goes, nothing. What would I have done differently? Mm. She goes, even till this day, she still likes working at the store. Mm. It's hard work. But she goes, this is the thing that put a roof over our head, make sure that you guys were okay. So I appreciate this. I see my same customers I've seen for 30 years. And this makes me happy. A lot of people look at what I have and say that I don't have much. Or it's like they say, oh, she works so hard. She goes, what's so hard? I love working here. What's mm-hmm. the problem? And that's the difference. Like it's perspective is everything. She chooses to live the life that she wants. And this is the choice that she makes. And she fucking loves it. She never looks at somebody else's home and says, I wish I had their home. Yeah. She never looks at somebody else's car and says, I wish I had their car. She goes, I have what I have. This is great. We're all going to die. We're all going to go into this fucking earth one, one, one day or not. doesn't really matter. No matter how much they make or whatever they do, they're still going to end up the same as me. Yeah. I mean, I have to be frank, like the most uh, depressed time that I had was probably when I felt like I was working so much just to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. And like being in LA, like I had to support myself. I wasn't living at home with my family. Like my mom, if anything, I had to send her money mm-hmm. and like trying to figure it out being like, oh, I wish my life was different. I wish I could just focus. On- I wish, I wish. I Sure. 
I could keep wishing. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is like, that's not my life. So what am I going to do about it? Yeah. And I had to make changes. And you there was, great. yeah. And there was a point where like, I didn't think I was going to do music anymore. And that was okay. Like I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Like, I know like music is a gift of mine, but it's not paying the bills right now. And I need to walk away from it and figure it out. And I like worked at a startup, learned a lot. It's, if anything, it helped me, but it also helped me realize like, oh, maybe I'm not done with music. Yeah. But I don't have to suffocate my art to make money. Mm-hmm. So I'm like happy to say I still do music, but I don't have to come out with music all the time yeah. because I'm not suffocating it. Right now I'm living life. I was just talking to you about how I listen to podcasts more than I do music. Yeah. Sorry if you think that doesn't make me a real musician, but like I need to live life if I'm going to write about it and sing about it. Mm-hmm. And like this is a season in my life where other opportunities are coming for me. But I know like I've done music long enough that like people know what I'm about. Yeah. People know that I will sing and I will write. And there are other parts of me that I'm also embracing because I get one life. Yeah. And I need to be able to say like, I'm going to try. I don't know like if I'm going to meet the success that other people say, but I'm a success in myself knowing that like, I didn't think I'd be doing the things like half the things I'm doing now. Like I even had this conversation with uh, a buddy of mine where he was like, Hey, like, like, what are your backup plans if you let's like YouTube mm. doesn't happen? And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean, I was like, who cares? Yeah. I was like, there's no, I was like, I don't think you understand how poor I grew up. Like, <laughs> yes. I, I am never like above a job. Yeah. Like, if I need to make money to pay these bills, I'll do whatever the fuck I can. Yes. I'll suck your dick right now. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Not that far. <laughs> He's like, like, I take back. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll suck your dick right now. Give me $2,000. I'll fucking make you come in 30 seconds. Like I'm not beneath, like above any job. Yes. I was like, if during like 10 years ago when all I had, no, I wasn't making any money then. Like seven years ago, like I, YouTube disappeared. Guess what? I would be applying jobs like nothing. Sure. Everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. Doesn't fucking matter. I'll be at work. They're like, aren't you that YouTuber? I am. I'm poor now. <laughs> you know? no, and I'll bro, work a job. Like, yeah. Like when I was on YouTube and stuff, I was still working at like boba shops. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh my gosh, aren't you Jennifer Chang? Yeah. You're working. I'm like, yeah, because I got to pay the bills. Yeah. Like you're not buying my music enough. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I need to, I need to work. Yeah. Like we, that, that is what it is. People are so prideful about shit like yeah. that it's like you look so so i wonder what you think about everybody else in the mm-hmm. service industry i was like dude i grew up but it's, it's the hardest work it's hard yeah it's hard that's why even like and i'm pretty sure anybody who's worked at like you know jumbi match and stuff too we really curate a good family out there we care about the employees we ask how they're doing we make sure that they feel good we give them good highs we let we let the good highs like that's all it is hi no we <laughs> no we uh, you know we show that they're that they're there. Like we, we show you exist. They're valued. They're valued. So like, I understand what it's like. I worked in service industry mm-hmm. my whole life. My parents, I had to run my parents store all the time. We had to run that business all like 24 seven. I did that since I was like fucking 12. So it's like, I understand the value of what work is this. The fact that I even get to have a house is like, I get to I rent out this house or whatever, whatnot is a bonus. This is all a blessing. Yes. My parents couldn't do this before. Yeah. Like, well, setting your own schedule. Exactly. I could wake up wherever the fuck I want. Yes. You know, I do have to work a lot, but I could set when I work. And like, yeah, let's, let's be clear. Like the work that you do is hard work. Yeah. Like people see the stuff online and they're like, I want to do that. Yeah. But it's like, do you know what it takes to do that? <laughs> you ain't ready for that shit. It's, yeah. it's fucking hard work. Yeah. But at the same time to me, I don't ever call it hard work because I enjoy what I'm doing. Yes. It's so heart work. Really. Yeah. That's really what it is. It's like how I don't complain and you'll never hear me complain about my work. I don't, I don't, and anybody can say this too. Like if you've seen any of my videos, whether it was on JK news or mine, I never, ever, ever complain about my work because I have nothing to complain about. 
yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work trying to figure out how to run all these businesses and you know promote and market all this stuff and then make sure it's stable and it's working. I'm working mm-hmm. on a softer store next year. Mm-hmm. We're working up. Uh, we're on. We're in the process of opening up a Jumbi in Hawaii right now. Amazing. This is work. This takes time. However, because I enjoy it, not so bad. Because I could be doing something else. I could be doing something I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So I never complain. My mom never complained about it at work. I have nothing to complain about either. Yeah. You know? And that shows in like the products that you produce and um, being able to find people who are aligned with you when it comes to building something together. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, shit. Well, guys, <laughs> that wraps up this episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. Jennifer, where can they catch you? Oh, well, you can find me online. Just on Instagram, it's Jennifer J. Chung. Find my music, Jennifer Chung. Maybe you'll see me on some shows. Let's pray that I get some, <laughs> get some more roles. Oh, she, you'll, see, you'll see her everywhere. And then um, you can catch us, uh, Genius Brain, every Thursdays and Sundays. Hope you guys learned a little bit about Jennifer today and uh, some very cool thoughts. And we'll see you all next time. Peace. flows one direction and fishes they follow the flow but what if one tried to mention that there was much more to explore here I am I have a plan I'm living free don't know Dragonfly heard the message Darkness was home from the start Spread its wings to the surface The bright colors set them apart Here I am, I have a plan, I'm living free